This is the day that the Lord has made. Let's continue on with worship then and stand and sing. It's number 178.
use the gifts which we offer you, holy God, to restore joy to the despairing, to give food to the hungry, and willing spirits to us, that we might be servants to all of your people. Amen. mercy every day, every hour, he gives me power, I will sing, give thanks to him, for all the dangers, toils, and snares that he has brought me out, he is my God, and I'll serve him, no matter what the test, trust and never doubt, surely bring you out he never failed me yet I know God is able to deliver in time of storm I know that he'll keep me Jesus will surely bring you out. He never failed me yet. I will sing of God's mercy every day, every hour. He gives me power. I will sing and give thanks to him for all the dangers, toils, and snares that he has brought me out. He is my God, and I'll serve Him. No matter what the test, trust and never doubt, Jesus will surely bring you out. He never failed me yet. Did it, my God, deliver Moses from King Cool the fiery furnace from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When I think of what my God can do, He delivered Daniel. I know He will deliver you. Trust and never doubt. Jesus will surely bring you out. He never failed me yet. I will see. Every day, every hour, he gives me power. I will sing and give thanks to him for all the dangers, toils, and snares that he has brought me out. He is my God, and I'll serve him. No matter what the test, trust and never doubt. Jesus will surely bring you out. He never failed me yet. He never failed me. He never failed me yet. He never failed me. He never failed me yet. He never failed me. 
He never failed me yet. Trust and never doubt. Jesus will surely bring you out. He Jeff. Now, I had a chance to talk with him uh, this week, and that was great fun, but I also got a chance to listen to his sermon, and uh, I want to commend him on that in front of you, and I want to encourage you to uh, take a listen to it. If you were not here that Sunday, it's, it's up on, it's somewhere in the internet world, um, <laughs> church webpage or podcast or someplace. You know where to find it. I mention this because I think it's helpful what Jeff said, that we get reminded that we need to humble ourselves before God and seek to discern and follow God's will for our lives. That is what you said, right? All right. I thought I got that right. The work of faith, the work of faith is simply that, really it is. The work of faith is to discern God's will and align our will 
with God's will so that God's will is being lived out through our lives. So we need to work to discern God's will rightly, and we need to be open to how God's will might affect us uh, or change us, encourage us, admonish us, put us in a new path, perhaps even. Now, this is not easy stuff. I know this isn't easy stuff, yet this is important stuff, this aligning of God's will and our will. This is the work of being a faithful Christian. You've got that, right? You've got that. We come here on Sunday mornings to honor God, to worship God. We come on Sunday mornings to uh, spiritually kneel and humble ourselves before the Almighty and to say, yay, God, we love you, we thank you. Uh, that's what worship is about. That's why we're here. We're here to do that. You want to have that animation go on inside yourself and your spirit that that is what we're doing. But we are also here on Sundays to have a kind of uh, mind meld with the Lord, to get the mind of Christ into our mind more intimately, more clearly, so that our thoughts are Christ's thoughts. You know how we, it's written in Scripture to have the mind of Christ, grow up into the full stature of Christ, Paul says here. We want to get that link together, and that's part of why we're here on Sunday as well. Now, we're, we're assuming that uh, God's hand was in this pastoral change. And we go through the rigors of the change with a good spirit because we trust that indeed God's hand is at work in this. And therefore, we have an abiding hope in what will unfold here at our church and what this church will continue to be and become. We say this because we know that God is not done with us yet. And however successful we have been individually as Christians in living out our faith or collectively as a congregation, however fully we have been good disciples of Christ, we recognize the fact that we and the church can be more than we are now that God looks forward to more things to bring forward to us and to lead us forward into doing on God's behalf. I sense that you're in agreement with what I'm saying, that the head's nodding and the friendly looks back to me are saying, yeah, all right, I, I get what you're saying, and yes, we, we intend to be that and to do that. I appreciate that. And I recognize, though, and I wonder how well we all recognize the fact that there are so many people in our community and in our society that care less about what I just said. That the church is just really not on their radar and that they could care less what we think God is doing through us to the world. And this is one of the great challenges of our day. I remember when I first became an associate and I was at the church, it was called North Glendale at the time. I was talking to that pastor and he said, uh, you know, Walt, um, back in my day, when I was young, and I think it was up in Palmdale or Lancaster or something, our, our worry was 
just getting to know all the people who were coming to church. We didn't have to go out into the community and evangelize. We didn't have to share the message at all. Our work was just keeping track of all the people who were coming in. You all might have started church in those days where church wasn't on the margin, where it was still uh, something central to our society and the perspective taken by the religious leaders of the mainline denominations were important words to hear. Name me a leading national figure from the mainline church today. We can't. We've somehow lost our voice. And if you were to ask the generation of our grandchildren or children um, why it is they are not in our churches, some of them are, thank God, but why the majority of them are not in our churches, they would have something to say to us that might actually hurt our feelings. But it might be true. And today, as I talk about this second part of my three-phrased introduction, Hope for the Church, I want to speak about hope for the church in the context of where uh, so many of us do not feel or find hope. Somehow the church has become for the new generation, and now I'm speaking of people in their 20s uh, and through their 30s, the, the church has become something that's uh, a little more reprehensible than attractive. Now how that has happened, um, we might have some good debates um, about what has led us to this place. For me, for me, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the image of the church has been linked to words of faith and actions that don't seem to be, in my mind, uh, as reflective of Jesus as they could be. I think we see this in a lot of the uh, televangelists that have you might say, fallen from grace, or we see this in um, celebrities and we see this in political figures where there's a, a certain perspective of faith that has rung up the flagpole and flagged around for one reason or another, and then we hear the story, the backstory of the person's life, or we see behaviors that make us think, uh, that's not Jesus. That's not church. So there's an interesting book that informs what I'm saying, and it's called Unchristian. It's written by two, uh, I guess you'd call them religious sociologists, people that study the church, study society, uh, research attitudes and opinions. Unchristian, what a new generation really thinks about Christianity. And these two authors... Uh, share the perception that they've gained through their research and what they have learned that these 20 and 30 year olds, so many of them look at the church and what they see is hypocritical, exclusive, prejudicial, judgmental people and positions. Now we may not think that's who we are, but that's who they're convinced we are. 
This is how they see us for one reason or another. And so it shouldn't surprise you that as you look at the pews next to one another here, there's not a whole lot of 20 and 30 year olds. Because who would want to be connected to a group like that? A group of hypocritical, exclusive, prejudicial, judgmental people. You might get that at work already. Don't need to come to church for that. You might get that in the neighborhood already, in the dorm already. Why would you go out of your way to be with people, giving up some of your free time to be with people like that? Now, I find this disturbing because I think it's true from what I've noticed as well, but it's not my church. I don't see my church that way. I haven't in the churches I've been at. I think you're going to prove me to be correct that you're not that way either. Yet we're seen that way. So how would we have any hope in the church if this young generation isn't even paying any attention to us. I have hope in the church because my sense is that God is alive in the church. And that the church is not just you and me, but it is the power of God moving through us And though some people may sound hateful or prejudiced or exclusive, the church is not that. My sense of the church is that we worship a God that is a God of love and a God of mercy, who extends these without requirement as a free gift to whoever would want to receive it and take it to their heart and soul. That we worship a God that is welcoming and inclusive and forgiving and reconciling and uplifting. A God that is redeeming. A God that transforms lives. That heals hurts that we worship a God that went to the cross so that we could rise from the grave. That's the God that animates us. That's the God that we have to offer to our neighbors and our community. And the fact that we worship that God gives me hope for the church. I hope that our church can be an accepting and a healing place, that people can come in here, however it is that they do find their way in here and whatever their condition is that is part of who they are as they come in here, that they will find acceptance. They will find people who look at them and see a child of God. They will find a place that will help bring healing into their lives. I have hope for the church that we can be a mind-opening and a mind-expanding kind of place, not one that shuts down the brain. 
I have a hope for the church that we can be a spiritually enlivening place, not something that seems to suck the spirit out of us. So we leave emptier rather than fuller. A place that actually makes a difference, that's not treading water, that is of consequence because it exists, because we're here. I have hope in the church because I believe, like Paul, that God is working through the church, that it's not just us, it's not just we people. I believe that God is purposeful with the church, that God is bringing us together to do something that is important through the Spirit for the community. And the more we get our will in sync, in line with God's will, the more effective and the more empowered we will be in our ministries. There was a time when I was just uh, knee-deep in uh, Civil War history, just had a, a, a marvelous time researching that stuff. And uh, Lincoln has a great saying about prayer and about God that I want to remind you of. Because, you know, the South was praying to the Christian God just as the North was. And this kind of boggled Lincoln's mind uh, as he thought about it. Um, and he's recorded as saying, um, I do not pray that God is on our side. I pray that we are on God's side. Isn't that powerful? That should be what we're about when we're trying to live into what Jeff was saying. We should not be trying to make God into our image. We should not be trying to convince God that God's will is our will. Rather, we should be open and praying that we might be able to discern God's will, that we might be on God's side. I think we do that through worship, through prayer, through meditation, through Bible study, uh, through conversation with one another. We find our way to better read the will of God and to move into living out the will of God. When Paul observes the church, Paul encourages us to live a life that is worthy of our calling to faith worthy of Christ. And he lifts up some qualities that should be watchwords for us as to how we are with one another and how we are to those outside our doors. Words like humility and gentleness, being patient with one another, bearing one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in a bond of peace with one another. 
And when I hear these words, my mind goes to the, the thought that the church really is and, and is well understood by the phrase being a family of faith. If you think about our families, not our dysfunctional ones, but, but those that live out into the best of what they can be, what we see in those families are people who make room for one another, people who accept differences, appreciate diversity among themselves. They're all not the same in that family. Different interests, different passions. People that listen to one another. We find in healthy families, people that accept one another's shortcomings. When, when one another has fallen short or, or sinned or, or been less than they could be, we find people and families who help to mend, help to heal, help to bring the person back into their best self. In families that are healthy, we find people rooting for one another to be better people, not worse people. We don't hope our children's dreams will be dashed. We do our best to help those dreams come to life. So too with one another here in the church, as Paul would say, we are to look out for one another, to care and support, to cry and to rejoice with one another. We are to be that kind of family. I think Paul's on the spot on when he says that's what the church is to be about. Yet the church is more than a family of faith. The church is the body of Christ. And Paul makes that clear also. That there's one Lord, one spirit, one baptism, and we live into that as people of faith. And as a body of Christ, we represent a diversity of gifts. And this is God's intention, that we not be the same. When I began my ministry, I was sure that the church would be great if everybody was just like me. And as I've grown up, I've learned that was not a, that was not a good thought. It's good that you all are not like me. Thank God for that, huh? And we're not like each other either. And even though we might uh, feel that the person three or four people down is a little squirrely, we want to have an openness in our hearts for that person because that person is part of the body of Christ. And that person has some gifts and some graces that we need in our lives that build up who we are as the body of Christ. And so we, Paul encourages us, are to celebrate the fact that we are not the same, that there is a diversity among us. And this is an important point if we actually do act out those gifts that we bring to the table. Some of us are evangelists, and, and that is good. Some of us are a little awkward about how to share Christ with somebody else. Thank God that there's others among us who are very comfortable doing that and know how to do that in a welcoming and inviting way. 
We need the evangelists among us that can share the story of Christ in their life to other people. We need to celebrate them. Push them out in front. Do your stuff, help us. And equally so, we need to thank the social justice advocate who is concerned about ethics and justice in the workplace, in the community, in our society. That person is a gifted person from Christ, from God too. And we need that person here among us also. And that person's voice needs to be celebrated and heard as loudly as the evangelist's voice. Because we run on both of those tracks. That's God's plan for us, that though we may not be the evangelist, we have evangelists next to us. And though we may not be the social justice advocate, we have some social justice advocates among us that round out what we do as a church. Now you might find that you have a hard time praying for five minutes, or maybe you find it hard to stop your prayer after about an hour or two. You're both welcome here, and we need both of you here. Probably the one of you that, or the, the few of you who can't pray for much time are probably pretty practically orientated people that like to be doers. People who maybe Rachel can call when the plumbing is a problem in the nursery school. Or if we need a tree trimmed, or we need to balance the books and make sure we have, uh, we're not in arrears. Practical, orientated, task kind of people. Sometimes those kind of folk have a hard time being mystics, being contemplative people. Yet we need them in the body of Christ, do we not? We need the practically, the servant-orientated people. Just as we need the mystics, just as we need, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the gentleman that was over here my first Sunday that was saying, I see the angels above the choir. And he wasn't talking figuratively, is my sense. He felt he saw them that the spirit is that alive for him in this place. He's, it is such a, this is such a thin place for him of being able to move from here to there. We need the mystics, we need the contemplatives that anchor us on the living spirit among us. We need the diversity of gifts. Let us welcome one another and not distant ourselves from one another. Embrace one another because it is in our diversity and our coming together and not just the accepting of one another's differences but in the celebrating of one another's differences we find the body of Christ built up for the greater good of God's purposes among us. We're not going to get there if we're all like Jeff or we're all like Walt or we're all like one of us. We need all of us, to get where God is having us go. So I have hope for the church because I sense in the church a new movement of the spirit which is trying to make real in very demonstrative ways the living presence of the living Lord. 
and is willing to find the way to be invitational to those outside the door that they might hear that message also. I hope you share my hope in who we are and who we can be and that you will walk with us, that we will walk together in our diversity to become who God wants us to be to our community. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, creator and sovereign of the universe. You made us in your image, and though we have all sinned and fallen short of your glory, you loved the world so much you gave your only son, Jesus Christ, to be our savior. He has come for us and to us, and we celebrate his presence in our midst today. On the night he offered himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, O Lord, broke the bread, and offered it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, and offered it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Send the power of your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this cup, we may know the presence of the living Christ. Be one body in him, cleansed by his blood. Faithfully serve him in the world and look forward to his coming in final victory. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. Let's try that again. <laughs> what might you want to say back to me when I say that? Thanks be to God. Yes. The gifts of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's have communion. Will you all stand and join me and with the confidence of the children of God join together in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. by the Spirit, go in God's love and share that love for whom it is a stranger. Amen. Oh. I'll, I'll remember that one of these Sundays. <laughs> I'm just so used to not...